0: One, two, three, four. You're listening to highlights from the Creative Processes interview with Deborah Carr. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Here is art made by members of our society who oftentimes have experienced some barrier, some disenfranchisement. And this is art that might be made by creators who are experiencing poverty and homelessness, abuse, um, illness, personal personal damage in some way, uh, PTSD, prejudice, bigotry, and they create art. And that art comes out of that personal experience, that lived experience. So when I first saw this art, I, I found this magical intersection of the power of museums, the power of art, and the stories of these artists. And I just fell in love with the museum. And I, when I first started working with the museum, one of the staff members there said, you know, Deb, you should really be the executive director of this museum. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And then when my husband walked into the museum, he goes, oh, my gosh, you should really be the executive director of this museum. And shortly after that, the executive director position came open and here I am. So I am extremely passionate about this museum and about the work that we do. And that all stems from the incredible power of this art and this genre. thinking of Intuit as a museum might put people off. And I think in the world that we live in today, I think there is an increasing recognition that museums should be a place for everyone. And I think that exactly to your point, Mia, I think that Intuit is about the easiest museum to visit. We don't have an imposing facade. Um, It's a very um, low key space and we do want it to be a place where everyone feels welcome and and feels that it's pretty easy. And one of my favorite things is to be in the museum and hear the young people walk into the museum and sometimes, depending on what the exhibit is, you know, gasps of joy because they see something that they didn't expect to see. They see artwork made with say found materials so artwork made from sticks and mud or bottle caps or paint brushes or bowling pins and they see art that is accessible they, they may not initially understand what the motivation is but the artwork itself tends to be really accessible in this genre in general, we see a higher percentage of women and artists of color because the genre is available to everyone. I mean, that's one of the interesting things about this genre of art is that it isn't signified by a group of artists who know each other and feed off each other's work This is signaled by people who tend to be working independently with their own unique vision. Um, You haven't asked specifically yet about the terminology, Mia. I know that the word outsider is very loaded for um, some scholars and some audiences, and it's not a perfect term. Um, If we had a perfect term, I would love to be using that. There just isn't one that's been more Uh, widely accepted, um, like Outsider, but I want to emphasize that when we say Outsider, we're not thinking of someone that we are pushing to the outside. We are thinking of someone who works independently from the mainstream contemporary art world, um, influenced by their own experiences and their own internal uh, vision. Uh, there's a, a value to that term as well. And some times outsiders can see with great clarity. I like that. Some of the people that are making this art have used art as a way of finding their own power. I think about so many artists who've begun making art while they're, in prison or in um, really difficult circumstances, like Roy Ferdinand, who I mentioned earlier, and the art provides that, you know, self-empowerment, that um, control over their environment. Um, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty incredible tool. It's a pretty incredible experience. I think that's one of the reasons why people like to come to, into it. It's, of course, the art stands on its own and has its own power, but um, the, the stories of these artists and the circumstances that they come from, I think imbue their art with additional, additional power. And it's not like even the, the artists from the past, we know their stories. We know a bit about Vincent van Gogh. We know about uh, Claude Monet losing his eyesight, that those are embedded in, in their stories and their art as well. So I think it's when people say to me, well, we have to tease those apart. I think that the art and the creative process are pretty intrinsically together. So everything that we have in the collection is donated and we're very proud of um, a lot of the beautiful artwork that's in that collection. Um, In fact, um, in uh, 2018, we were involved with a citywide initiative called Art Design Chicago. And we um, put together an exhibition that really told the story of Chicago as being one of the first places in the United States to really embrace this genre. And in fact, uh, the, you know one of the fathers of the genre is the French artist Jean Dubuffet, who came to the United States in the early 50s, didn't get much traction in New York. But when he came to the Arts Club of Chicago, he gave a speech in 1951. And people there were already thinking about um, the art that was different from the mainstream. And I think that Chicago being in the Midwest, there was less um, there was less competition, New York and Europe, or what was going on in the West Coast. Chicago was sort of its own thing. And there was a lot of um, embracing, and I think a lot of that was led by um, professors at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago that, who were very open-minded and encouraged their students to look in unusual places for things that would inspire them. So, because we've always had this tradition of embracing um, outsider art, uh, we put this exhibit together based on um, 10 artists, some of whom, m- many of whom are in our collection. And that exhibit is actually still touring in Europe. We, After it was here in Chicago, um, it was in Paris, then um, outside Munich, and right now it's at the Collection de l'Art Brut in Lausanne. And in, it'll be there from now through November of 2020. And in January 2021, it will open at the Outsider Art Museum in Amsterdam and close in May 2021. So we're very proud of that. Intuit is a safe space for everyone. We, we, do, we do a lot of, of groups with um Autism, we do groups with uh, dementia. I want this museum to be the most accessible museum in Chicago in every way, psychologically, emotionally, no matter what your background, what, um, what your orientation. I want everyone to know that this is a place where they are welcome and that I'd like them to be involved in helping us make decisions about future programming so we can have dialogue about how we deal with the incarcerated in our society. How do we deal with people who appear to be different? How do, how do we make them welcome and more welcome in our society? How do we bring more equity into our society? How do we break down those societal structures, those systemic, Um, racism that's been built into our structures. Um, We're a tiny place, but we are really interested in being part of that conversation and helping to make whatever difference we can make. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating in exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.